It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Have you ever felt like just running away and hiding because of the pressures you're facing in life? The burdens, the responsibilities, the challenges just seem too overwhelming. Well, actually, the Bible has given you a number of promises concerning hiding places that you can run to. And not only that, it's given you that status in a name that's been applied to the people of God, hidden away in Scripture. It's only found one place in Psalm 83, verse 3. God refers to you and to me and to all the body of Christ, all the people of God, Old Covenant and New Covenant, as his hidden ones. Let me read it from verse 1. Keep not silence, O God. Do not be speechless and be not still, O God, for lo, your enemies roar. The devil does go about as a roaring lion. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They take shrewd counsel against your people. The King James says crafty counsel and they plot against your hidden ones. So that verse number one reveals that there is a plot against you and against the entire body of Christ. The devil is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. Sometimes demonic powers directly plot against us, and quite often they use people who are yielded to satanic influence to try and bring woe and troubles and problems in your life and to trip you up and to throw up obstacles in your path that will somehow hinder you in your purpose. They plot against God's hidden ones. But God has promised certain protective measures. I think it's interesting to see the other ways that particular verse has been translated and that particular title for God's people. The Hebrew word translated hidden ones is safan, which is T-S-A-P-H-A-N. But it's translated differently in a number of other versions of Scripture. For instance, we are referred to as his precious ones, as his treasured ones, as his protected ones, and his preserved ones. And all of that is kind of hidden in the revelation of what it is to be his hidden ones. And with all the craziness, and I could even call it insanity, going on in the world right now and in our culture here in the United States of America, without spending time specifying, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a hiding place, though. There is a hiding place where you can be peaceful, you can be calm, you can be assured, you can be confident that God's got your back and he's going to carry you into the future triumphantly. One way or the other, we win. Now let's go to the specific ways God has promised to hide us. Let's go to Psalm 31 verses 19 and 20, a Davidic Psalm. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. And to fear God is to 
reverence him to the highest degree, to melt before his majesty, his magnitude, his omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. You just feel the greatness of God and you submit yourself wholeheartedly. That is the fear of the Lord. And goodness is laid up for those who fear him, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. And here's the key line. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. No wonder David in Psalm 32 verse 7 said, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. And that word selah means pause and peacefully reflect on this, that God is our hiding place and that he will hide us in the secret of his presence from the plots of human beings around us that want to crush the witness of the church, that want to stamp out Christianity from our culture, that want to introduce godly legislation, godless legislation, and want to introduce things into our society that go directly against God's commandments. They plot against the body of Christ and the word of God that we hold dear. And yet God hides us in the secret of his presence. If you know the presence of God is with you, you can be confident in any and every circumstance. I've faced what should have been the end of my life quite a few times in preaching on foreign fields and also in preaching in rough areas of cities here in the United States of America. I've been shot at. I've been threatened with death by gang leaders. I've had a gang of radical Hindus storm a platform in India with the intention of beating me up publicly and then tying me to the bumper of a car and dragging me through the city. And they ended up being converted. They ended up being saved because I was walking in the presence of God, and the presence of God has a way of thwarting all the plans and plots of the enemy. And God makes everything work together for good. I remember one of the first near-death instances that took place in my life where uh, back in the beginning when I was first saved, I didn't even have a vehicle, and so I was hitchhiking somewhere. And a man picked me up who threatened to kill me, threatened to rob me and kill me. And I started preaching at him. Within about 10 minutes, he was on his knees, repenting, getting right with God, because the presence of God was with me. And God has a way of intimidating demons. And if you are not intimidated by the demonic, you cannot be dominated by the demonic. Whatever happens, if God protects you, and no ill comes your way, or if it happens to be the time for you to go, you'll pass from this realm to the next realm triumphantly because the presence of God will go with you. I heard a poem years ago that kind of sums it up, that I know not when or where I pass from this familiar scene, but he is here and he is there and he's all the way between. So when I pass from this veil of death to that dim and vast unknown, though late I stay or soon I go, I shall not pass alone. I'm hidden in the secret of his presence. 
Let me take you to the next passage. Psalm 27 verses 4 and 5. One of my favorite psalms. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. But he was a typical preacher because one thing quickly became three things. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. Number one, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Number two, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Number three, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now that had a special meaning for David. Because see, David erected a tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant. It was a grand departure from the normal way of doing things. When the Ark came back from Philistine control, David, instead of putting it in Moses' tabernacle, where the traditional rituals went on, where there was a constant flow of sacrificial blood from sacrificial animals on the altar, a constant reminder of sin and death, instead, he did something completely different. He built a tabernacle on Mount Zion, and there was no separating veil that kept the priests, the attending Levites, from seeing the ark. It was right there in the middle of the tent, radiating its glory. And though they dedicated the tabernacle of David initially with some sacrifices, there was no more shedding of blood after that. It was just constant worship, 24-7. In fact, David even uh, positioned certain priests there all through the day, that had what was called the ministry of thanksgiving, where all they did during their time at the tent or at the tabernacle was to thank God for all the good things he had done. What a wonderful, wonderful before-his-time revelation David had because he understood what it was to be in the presence of God. And he said, in the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Well, why did he word it that way? Because the ark was there. And the lid of the ark was called the mercy seat. Well, whose seat was it? It wasn't the high priest's seat. It wasn't used by any human being. It was God's representative throne on earth. And so when David said, in the secret of God's tabernacle, he will hide me, it was his way of saying, I feel safe. I feel secure when I'm close to the mercy seat because I know that I can petition the God whose glory rests upon that mercy seat and I can be restored from the painful things I fall into, the mistakes, the errors I stumble my way into in life that mercy can stream from God and bring restoration in my life. And there's more to it because the tablets of stone that were written on with the handwriting of God were inside of the ark. And I'm sure that David felt a certain amount of, of commitment to keep those commandments as he drew closer to the ark. He knew their presence was there. The handwriting of God was there and God said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Eight of the 10 commandments are telling what we should not do. 
Two of them are positive, telling us what we should do, but they're all part of this moral boundary for our lives. And so there's a protection there. There's preservation there. God did not give his commandments just to put us under his thumb. God gave his commandments to protect us from defilement and contamination and destruction from the world system and the satanic influence on the world system. So David said, I'm hidden in his tabernacle because there I'm reminded of his law, his commandments, his mercy, his throne in my life. He rules as king of kings and lord of lords in my life. Now, it was literal for David to be in a tabernacle, but it's spiritual and metaphorical for you and I, because everywhere we go, in a sense, there is a tabernacle that we can step into. And maybe that's why the Bible said a man shall be as a tabernacle, a tabernacle for us or a hiding place. Let's go to Isaiah 32, verses 1 and 2. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Well, that's a messianic prophecy that a man would be as a hiding place from the wind. Have you ever been around stormy winds? I lived in Florida as a young child. I grew up in Florida from what about the age of 11 to the age of uh, 19. And I was used to facing hurricane force winds that would bend palm trees all the way over till the crown of the tree almost touched the ground. It was amazing. And uh, <laughs> we did some crazy things back then. We used to go skateboarding in hurricane type winds and gusts would blow us at a furious speed down the road. Uh, but it was, it was fun uh, for a teenager. But Sometimes those winds get so fast and furious, they become very destructive. And that's when it can rip the roof off of a building, totally devastate whole areas. And sometimes the winds of the storms of life can get very, very destructive. But there's a man and if you're in covenant with that man, he's a hiding place from the wind. The winds of false doctrine cannot get to you because the Bible talks about being tossed about by the winds of false doctrine. And the wind of, of great storms in your life, the wind, the furious, fierce winds of tribulation and temptation, you can escape from them if you connect with that man who was more than a man, it was God manifested in the flesh. I love Psalm 57 verse one. So many of these promises are in the Psalms. Listen closely. It's a little bit different now. We're hidden in under his wings. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me for my soul trusts in you and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Think of that, like a, a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus said he, he would have done that to the people of Jerusalem so many times if they had just allowed him. Imagine God 
Of course, he doesn't have wings, but imagine God with wings just gathering us to his bosom in a protected place, a place of warm compassion and love, tender, loving kindness that just heals the soul. No wonder David said, in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. Next, we're going to shift into something quite different. We are also hidden in his hand and in his quiver. A quiver is a container for arrows. And this jumps over into the prophecies of Isaiah. Isaiah 49 verse 2 says, He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. And in the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. Well, he's talking about a a warrior God who loads his anointed people into the bow of purpose. And he draws that bowstring back and launches that arrow toward the bullseye of a certain divinely purposed work that you've been chosen for in this world. Something that is very destructive to the enemy who wants to set up a dark kingdom here, but you're children of the kingdom of God. You're heirs of the kingdom of God, and he uses you to fight against the kingdom of darkness, all the emissaries of that kingdom, and to establish the kingdom of light. You're like a weapon in the hands of God. Andrew Murray one time said, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hands of God. Think of that. There's a war going on, and God is referred to as a man of war in Scripture. And you are called to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. But not only are you soldiers who wield weapons, you also become weapons in the very hands of God. In fact, the Bible said we are like the sword of a mighty man in Zechariah's prophecies. And here in Isaiah, we're referred to as arrows that are hidden in his hand. He grips that arrow to position you in your purpose. And he's also got you in his quiver. Now, to be in God's quiver, to be hidden in his quiver is to be set apart for your purpose. And it feels like nothing's going on in your life, but you're there ready, yielded. And at any moment, God may pull you out and put you in his bow but you've got to be prayerful and watching and waiting on God day after day so that when he does call you to do something unexpected, then you're ready to be used. And that's what it means to be hidden in his hand and in his quiver. And again, I say, those who are yielded to his hand, surrendered to him and his will, God wants to use you as a weapon, and God can change the world radically through people who can offer themselves to him in that measure. John Knox is someone I'm reminded of right now who changed the destiny of an entire nation because he prayed over and over, God, give me Scotland or I die. When the leader of Scotland was a a bloody queen who wanted Protestantism wiped out altogether. And it looked like Catholicism was going to be the dominant religion of the area and the Protestants were going to be persecuted until they were just totally uh, rendered powerless. But uh, one man made the difference. He said, give me Scotland or I'd die. 
God, I have to see Scotland delivered or I'd rather die if it doesn't happen. And God answered his prayer to the degree where the Queen of Scotland said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of my enemies. Think of that. A man that could strike fear in the heart of a sovereign because she knew God was with him and he was a weapon in the hands of God. Lord, hide us in your hand and in your quiver. Finally, I've got two more scriptures I'm going to share with you and then I'm going to end. Colossians chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 takes us to the pinnacle of the revelation. If we are God's hidden ones, what is the ultimate place that we could be hidden? Colossians 3 verses 2 and 3 reveals it. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Think of that. You are hid with Christ in God. I know the world's not aware of it. They can't see your spiritual position, but you are underneath the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he is, so are we in this world. Everything he is passes down to us. His righteousness, his authority, his peace, his joy, his love. We are heirs of the attributes and characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we are in him, we are in a safe place. We are safe from the depression and the confusion and the domination of the world system and the satanic agenda against us. We are hid with Christ in God because there we are in a place of unbeatable strength, unconquerable purpose. If God has chosen you, then nothing can take you out of his hand. He said, my father gave them to me and nothing can pluck them out of my father's hand. Hid with Christ in God, especially as we near the end of this age. There's a final promise that I felt I should share with you. Zephaniah 2.3 says, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. The King James says, Seek meekness, all you meek of the earth. In other words, if you're already meek, which means to be humble toward God, uh, to be quick to submit to God, and also humble toward people, to be quick to forgive, that's what meekness is. It says, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you shall be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. And I believe God is going to protect his people in the last days in very supernatural ways. As we enter into the tribulation time, I believe we're going to see supernatural phenomenon in the body of Christ as we never have before. Now, let me end by giving some final thoughts from the psalm we started out in. Remember, the beginning of the psalm, Psalm 83, verse 3, refers to us as his hidden ones and the enemy plotting against us and how God would thwart their shrewd counsel. Well, then toward the end of that psalm, David prays a prayer against them. And if you are one of God's hidden ones, as David was, then you should pray this prayer. In fact, the situation, society, 
and our country and our world is in right now, you should pray this every day. Oh my God, take counsel against them. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. He's referring to those who have made crafty counsel or shrewd counsel against God's hidden ones. And he says, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, or in the Hebrew, whose name alone is Yahweh, are the most high over all the earth. So according to that passage, that prayer God can launch an attack on those who are trying to destroy our nation, destroy our world, the demonic forces that are trying to destroy your life. And I believe God would answer this word prayer, this prayer right out of God's word, Psalm 83. You ought to read it again, prayerfully meditate on its meaning and apply it to your life personally. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Start confessing you're one of God's hidden ones. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.